my name is Jay Hodges. I'm a friend of Sinn Féin, uh, and it is my pleasure to, to be able to have a Zoom meeting and a Zoom conversation with a great comrade and colleague, um, Karen Quinn. Karen, can you just do a brief introduction of who you are? Well, Jay, how's things? How's one of my, one of my top 10 favorite North American trade unionists? Uh-huh, I appreciate <laughs> that. I made the top 10. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you just shaved him, but you're there anyway. <laughs> the, uh, well, a bit about myself, I'm the North American representative for Sinn Féin, so I deal with uh, the political outreach for Sinn Féin across the US and Canada. I would be, I work directly with friends of Sinn Féin, both in the States and in Canada. And uh, it is an exciting time to take on. America has always been central to the Republican project, the Irish Republican project, and the Irish unity. So it's an honor to take on this role. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I've technically been in position since January, and it's complete coincidence that it also, it also happens to be at the same time as the travel ban kicked in, and I've been, been stuck in uh, Ireland. So that's, by, that's, by, that's more by coincidence, or as Mary Lou MacDonald kept on pointing out, it's just too much of a coincidence for our legging. Uh, so yeah, that's what the role is. So I don't know why, Jay, you want to talk about a bit about my background? or I do, actually. I'd like to know kind of your upbringing and how you got involved. Did you grow up in a political family? Like, just kind of, of, of that stuff. Well, for people who don't know Ari Saxons, I'm originally from Belfast, but I now live and work in Dublin. Uh, I, was, um, I was born in the, the end of the 60s. So most of my childhood was growing up in the 1970s in Belfast. And if you like more of my teenage years, then were in the 80s. And I suppose it was a very, it was a strange, it's, it's funny because it was very normal when I was growing up. It was very normal to the British Army in the streets. It was very normal to visit people in jail. It was very normal to be harassed by uh, to be threatened by the RUC at the time when I was a teenager. And it's, it's almost that was just the background noise to your life there. And it's only later on that, you began to real, that I began to realize, one, that this isn't normal, and two, uh, And it was only recently, actually, when I began to reflect on it, there was a program here called Reeling in the Years. It's like an old news program, and they pick a year, and they okay. show footage. And I said, and I have two daughters here in their early 20s. And I was sitting with my two daughters. And one of them says, it was a, a, a thing from about 1984. And one of my daughters actually said, is that what it was really like growing up in Belfast? And I started explaining and what it was like in 1984 when I was finishing secondary school and being stopped by the British Army. And I would have they offered a fight. But I always remember, I was very tall. I was tall, about six foot one. And I was six foot one when I was about 15. And I must have weighed about nine stone. So <laughs> I was the guy that the British Army always picked on because I was the tallest of all my friends. And so that they would have offered you a fight. So I was explaining this. And they were looking at me in complete horror about this experience. And it just dawned on me then that what had been completely normal for me growing up was absolutely abnormal. So. Uh, so I grew up in West Belfast. I grew up in Anderson's Town. Uh, my family history, I have a very marked family history that uh, the, a long list of from my great-grandfather 
was an Irish volunteer who ended up fighting for the British Army in the First World War as a Redmanite uh, and came back. And since then, I've had generations of Irish Republicans. Uh, okay, outstanding. Now, you've worked for Sinn Fein though for for years. You you your career has been with, with Sinn Fein. Uh, how did you get started? And kind of take me through that uh, journey. Yeah, it was. Uh, I suppose with Sinn Fein, I started working when I I started. Is it, you come to you grow up in this environment, and you're left with two choices: you accept it or you try. It. And what I decided to do was try to change. And Sinn Féin was the vehicle for doing it. So uh, at the age of 18, or 19, I think it was, I was asked by a guy from the local area, which I lived in, a place called Riverdale, uh, would I come out and give Sinn Féin a hand canvas? And it was just not, wasn't really my cup of tea. I didn't want to do it. And, and it was for a local councillor who was marching on Mullier. Some people in the States might know. And uh, so I worked on his, I ended up working on his campaign. But I, I mean, it was always there and it was always present. And I came from a Republican family and was involved in Republican politics all my life. But I, was, I suppose that's when I started thinking about activism. And I suppose, and you always find that there's one point where you, where you make a commitment. And for me, when I was in university, uh, and I, every Friday afternoon we'd meet, we'd meet and go for a drink. And there'd be a band playing in the student union, and there'd be a group of us. And someone would have been mature students, someone had been, and one of the people who would join our company, not that I knew her particularly well, was Maria Farrell. But she'd just be on the company, you know, like the extended company, and a bit. Of, and then Maria Farrell was killed by the British Army in Gibraltar. Yeah. And a couple of things happened. One was Queen's University decided that they weren't going to recognise her as a student. So, like, there's a really, just if a student dies on campus, who's on the campus, they put a wee card on the front. They lower the flag. And they refused to do that for Maria. So we had a series of protests in the university. But, uh, and it was just shocking to find somebody who you knew, who you'd seen a couple of weeks previously, had just been killed in these circumstances, had been executed by the British Army. And I suppose that was the point when I said, this is where I want to see get involved and make a real change, be committed activist. I went to the funerals and I was in Milltown whenever uh, Michael Stone attacked the funeral cortege. And this is, this is just how the funny symmetry life. That was the first time I ever met Martin McGinnis. And what happened was a guy had been shot close by us and Martin got us to organise to clear the way to get a car down to try to pick up this guy who'd been injured to bring him to hospital. Uh, and then years later I would end up working with Martin McGinnis I never thought at that time when I was 19 or 20 that I would end up with working with Martin McGinnis so I ended up finishing university was working uh, as a volunteer with Sinn Féin doing election work ended up involved in community work uh, ended up meeting at the age of 21 meeting Jerry Adams and working on a project called the West Belfast Festival or Fail and Fubble as it's known now hey. so I worked with Jerry and a very small team of us who ran it at, that, at the beginning of that and there was very little, there was absolutely no resources and in fact it was politically vetted so we had to beg, borrow and steal. So I was the chairperson of the festival for about 10 years. Uh, I was working in community organisations, doing community empowerment work, community organising. Uh, 
political political work for Sinn Féin. And then in 1998, Jerry Adams asked me to come and work and immediately in the aftermath of signing the Good Friday Agreement. And from then, I've worked with Sinn Féin ever since, since 1998, in a series of different groups. And so you're just, in, in, a, in a career standpoint, uh, you have been uh, with Martin McGinnis, you've been with uh, Jerry Adams, you've kind of been all around all that stuff. In your new role, uh, you take over for uh, a living legend, if you will, <laughs> Uh, um, uh, a very, a very prominent member uh, of the Irish community, uh, Rita O'Hare. What has it been like taking over for Rita, uh, and just kind of how did that take place? Like, how did you guys work all that out and and make that transition? Well, I've I've had a, a number of jobs within Sinn Féin and braces in Sinn Féin. Uh, as I worked with Jerry Adams at the beginning, uh, I worked with Jerry for. A, a large number of years. Uh, I, came, I went to Dublin in two, mid 2000s and was involved in a reorganization project. I was the, the last Ard Rooney, the Assistant General Secretary of Sinn Féin for a couple of years. Uh, moved back to Belfast and worked with Martin McGuinness as a special advisor. Uh, and again, it's funny that having, I never thought when I was in this Milltown Cemetery that I would end up working with Martin McGuinness as a special advisor. And, I always remember going in to meet Martin for, for, to work with him. As I'd known him, I'd met with him, met with him before and worked with him. But I, when I went in to work as a spice advisor, he laughed and he said, you know, "Stick with me, and I'll take you places." <laughs> <laughs> and little did I know, I was basically signing away. I think about three and a half years of my life to be with Martin, and we did go to places. So we travelled the states extensively and met with uh, President Obama. I just missed. Meeting President Bush, met with him and visited the White House on numerous occasions. Came down, I was asked to go down to the South to do some work. Came to the South and I ended up as, in various positions, but I ended up as Director of Communications for Sinn Féin for about four or five years, which was quite an experience, uh, being head of our press and communication. And then when Mary Lou uh, was taken over as President, she asked me to help set up an organisation around her, which I did. And then she asked me to take on the role of uh, North American representative. I took it on. And probably that's a long route to get back to your question. The most, the, the scariest thing about taking on this brief was following Rito. Rito had done the job for 20 years. And Rito Hara could be, had access, would know people in the White House, the State Department, Congress. She knew people in communities. So she had built up over 20 years a huge network and political influence. So it's a bit daunting to take on that. And of course, Rita, in her own way, in her own personality, played a lot of whirlwind in a dynamo. I was with her today, and I says every speak of you, so she was asking about you. Well, I, uh, I think anybody who knows me knows I'm a huge fan. Uh, and you, uh, to, to quote yourself, you know, those are, those are a lot of wee shoes that you got to fill uh, moving in for Rita. But uh, I'm apologizing. I, I didn't turn off my notifications. Uh, and it's still the middle of the workday for me right now, so I'm getting notified of stuff, and I can't shut it off in the middle of this. Uh, You've just dropped out of the top ten favorite. <laughs> I'm not good at this, uh, so uh, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have to do this uh, the hard way. And I apologize. At, tell me about the organization of the history 
and, and what, the, you know, what really the friends of Sinn Féin, like how it kind of got started, like, you know, what the initial goals are kind of, of, of the involvement of the organization uh, and those kinds of things. Uh, well, well, not want to go back into like a history lesson, but the involvement of Republicans in, and Irish Republicans in Irish America have been uh, you go back 150 years ago after the Young Irelanders Revolution, uh, raising the people who ended up in the states like John Devoy, who ended up setting up the Fenians and Clan, and they were central to the Easter Raising, and they were centered the, the politics around the Easter Raising, and that's the reason I'd say in the program about our gallant, our exiled children in America. That's how crucial they were. They were part of the raising, even at the village of the Atlantic. So Irish-American in America has been hugely important for Irish republicanism and for the struggle for unity. And right, bring that forward, where it's the hunger strikes, where it's the no-raid, where it's the groups like the, the Red Branch out in San Francisco. There was always been an end there. And the cause of Ireland and Irish interest. And I suppose that it, in the most modern form of it. In 1984, a group of Irish Americans uh, came together and they lobbied for a number of things. One of them was a visa for Jerry within a couple of months of uh, Within a couple of months of getting that visa, the peace process took off in the area. The RAC took it. They also then, they advocated for uh, Special Envoy and George Mitchell land. And we had the Good Friday Agreement. Now, in between that, 1984 and 1998, Friends of Sinn Féin was set up and was set up with people like Larry Downs and Sean Downs with uh, Jerry Keogh, Faye Devlin, and it was with explicit role to promote Irish unity and to promote cause peace and promote Sinn uh, So it's been going now for 25 years, just over 25 years, uh, and it has remained it's a vehicle for supporting Sinn Féin and the party at home, but it's also very much a vehicle for supporting the cause of Irish unity in the state. So Irish America is hugely important for Republicans. Irish America sometimes, I, I think, forgets the power that it has had and it's the history that it's had. And again, there wouldn't have been a rising to that. There would not have been a good fight. And I think that brings us on to the next bit about what the future holds we can secure Irish unity and Irish America needs to be part of that. That's, we, can, we can finish the journey together. Now, uh, what's the best way for uh, Irish Americans to get involved, um, to stay informed, kind of, kind of uh, to, to take a part in that role? Well, part of the work I've been doing is coming on board and it's been forced as well by COVID. And that is to try to enhance the Friends of Sinn Féin networks with social media and our, our Facebook, our Twitter accounts. We've set up a YouTube channel. We produce weekly newsletters. So the key bit is to get informed and to follow the social media platforms to sign up for our newsletter. And all of those can be got from www.friendsofsinnfein and the Facebook of Friends of Sinn Féin USA. So that, that's the key bit, but I think it's interesting all the discussion. And it's almost like anything that we need to constantly renew, whether it's Sinn Féin and Republicanism in Ireland will constantly renew. We need to constantly renew, and particularly in the state. So 
there's very practical steps. One is being informed. And begin the debate about the opportunity that's in front of you. I mean, I listed from the Fenians right through to today. And people who, like, I, when I was in the state uh, before Christmas, I had the pleasure of meeting a couple of people. And it was people whose grandparents and parents had been in jail in the state for Irish Republicanism. And though that net, yeah, and that, that network of that, that intergenerational love of Ireland, commitment to Irish unity is still there. And I think that we now have to, one of the key focuses for me and one I think one of the key opportunities is to bring the power that, of that very disparate group together to actually finish the deal. We had a, we had a, a online conference with Jerry Adams and Joe Crowley a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And, and, and it's still available on the YouTube channel. People want to but Jerry Adams said something I just thought was really crazy. He says, this generation of Irish Americans could be the, the generation which returns to a united, peaceful, and powerful that, That's the opportunity in front of us. Yeah. Uh, and that, that, that's part of the discussions about what has changed. Why, why are we moving from Irish unity is no longer about singing the songs and to becoming a very realizable and doable project. Uh, and if you look back from 1998 to now, in the North, in the last five elections, the unionist majority is gone. The electoral majority is gone. So that Now explain just real briefly kind of what, what you're talking about there, um, just so people are aware. Well, I mean, Ireland was partitioned and the border was imposed on Ireland on the basis that there would be in the north of Ireland, the, the northeast six counties, that there would be a perpetual unionist majority. So it would be, it was classed as a, a Protestant state for Protestant people. Uh, since the Good Friday Agreement, and when the Good Friday Agreement was signed, part of that agreement provided for a referendum on Irish unity. So it commits the British and Irish government if the majority of people in the north want unity, that they will legislate and it will happen. Over that period, the, the unionist majority is now gone. So there's an assembly that sits in Belfast and Storm. For, since the foundation of the state, that always had a unionist majority. That's no longer In Westminster, there was always a majority of MPs who returned from the north would have been union. That is no longer there. John Finucane won this seat in North Belfast for Sinn Féin. That seat was the seat of Edward Carson, who was the father of modern unionism. That had been a unionist seat since the foundation. That is Belfast City Council, the capital for this unionist state, is now no longer a unionist majority town. So the, the North has changed considerably, not just in terms of nationalism and unionism. It's a lot more progressive. There's a bigger grey area between the communities. And I suppose the big thing in terms of North is no one can say that the people in the North now consent to the continued union. Our, the Good Friday Agreement says it's a very simple democratic way to resolve this, let the people have their say. So we think we can secure a unity referendum and we can win a union. And that would be the transition to United Ireland. In the South, Sinn Féin just had their, their greatest ever election result. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're the largest party in the 26 counties. We are by far the largest party across all of Ireland. Uh, so there's a huge, and part of the discussion in the South was this idea about a new and united Ireland. 
So there's more and more people coming in the south. There's a vast majority. All Poland is around seven. Parish unity in the in the south and in the north. It, it's it's still that grey area about where where it's But if a referendum was begun, if the debate was being had, and as I say, if there was a, a run into that discussion, we're confident you can win the unity referendum in the north. And that's the challenge. The challenge is for Irish America to get on board to help secure a unity referendum and to help us win a unity referendum. And then, Jay, you can come back to United and Prosperous Ireland the way Jared Adams. I'm dying to. I'm dying to get back across the pond. Uh, now, I am a, you know, I, I like the, the social media stuff. I, I actually uh, follow several different uh, profile accounts and whatnot. Um, for Sinn Féin in particular, and, and also just individual people, like there is, a, but there are specific Friends of Sinn Féin accounts for Twitter and for um, Facebook and, and for those kinds of things. So where can people go to get locked into that stuff? I think if they go to the Friends of Sinn Féin web page, there's a, there's a Connect page on that. Are you, I mean, we're going to put this video out on our YouTube, uh, YouTube and Facebook channel. So we will have the connection pieces on all of the links. Perfect. I, and as you were saying about very practical things, you know, say there's the idea about having the discussion, getting it, being informed. Friends of Sinn Féin can provide them. It's about having the discussion with your friends, with your family, with your community, with your, if it's an AOH or GAA committee, if it's with your political colleagues, if you're a Democrat. Or, and it's a very practical issue is developing, and that is we're in an election year in the, in the state. People are running for Congress. There's the Friends of Ireland group in Capitol Hill has been hugely important for safeguarding our peace agreements and dealing with progress and dealing with issues like Brexit. So, like we would encourage people contact uh, contact their congressional candidates and ask them, "Will you join the Friends of Ireland group in Capitol Hill?" It's a very easy it's a very easy group to get involved. And it's a nonpartisan group. It, it's not a, uh, a link to any particular party. It's just a group. It's it's a it's is it it's bipartisan so and it's open to all, uh, and the work that they have been doing like for a, an example of how important this group is. Um, one of the biggest challenges we faced recently was Brexit. Brexit had the potential to bring up border back on the island and undermine in the Good Friday Agreement. The British government were just going to go ahead and impose that without regard to what was actually happening in Ireland. Our friends in the Friends of Ireland group on Capitol Hill, people like Richie Neal, Elliot Engel, uh, Peter King, Tom Swasey. Peter King and Tom Swasey brought a joint resolution to the Congress, and it was about safeguarding the Good Friday Agreement and making it clear that there'd be no future trade agreement with Britain if they undermine the Good Friday Agreement. And that focused the minds of Boris Johnson and the Tories and Westminster, and they conceded the protection the Good Friday Agreement. I mean, the US and particularly the Friends of Ireland were central to doing that. When you have someone who's the chair of the Ways and Means Committee saying there will not be a trade, trade deal unless the Good Friday Agreement that is true. And having, uh, having people here in the States contact the local candidates and saying, you know, if you go into Congress, will you join this organization? Uh, it's a very simple thing. It's a very brief thing, um, but it actually has huge impacts uh, down the road for making sure that unification votes happen and, and those kinds of safeguards. Yeah, and it, it's, it's crucial. 
in the first instance to protect in the progress we have had. So the, the Friends of Ireland group have been central to protecting the Good Friday against challenges such as Brexit. But I mean, the unity referendum is as much part of the Good Friday Agreement as human rights, as the institutions in the North, power sharing and equality. And so part of that is we want to see the full implementation of the Good Friday Agreement, and that means allowing the people to have their say on the future. A very simple. But keep it that, and one of the key blocks in that will be the Friends of Ireland. Now, my last question for you is, what is the one recommendation you would make to comrades here in the States, uh, either um, it's a misconception or um, something that you would recommend that they take part in or learn. Uh, I ask this all the time of people, and uh, um, I've had people tell me everything from, you know, you need to actually learn Irish, uh, learn the Irish language, uh, or read, you know, these books or whatnot. Like, what's your one recommendation uh, for people here in the States? Well, I always think you learn from your own experience. So I think, first of all, if people have, you normally find people have an interest in Ireland because of their Irish-American connection. And I advise people, go back and look at that. Go back and look at where, where they're Go back and look at how they've ended up, why there are people ended up. People ended up still because of issues of forced immigration. And I think it, it's that love of Ireland that we see manifest across the states, where it's in Irish culture, where it's in Irish music, where it's in issues like the AOH. Is it that you can actually you can actually take that history and you can actually carve a new future? You could you could be the generation, or we could be the generation that actually unites this country that gets rid of the border that has a free and independent Ireland. So the first piece for me is anybody's interest is look around, look at your background, look at your history, and if you want to know more about Ireland, follow the friends of Sinn Féin. Uh, Facebook, sign up their newsletter. And but so become aware, talk to your friends and family about it, and then hopefully become an activist. And it's very it's very easy, such as asking your congress congress member will they join the friends. Uh, and just to stay engaged, this isn't something that's going to be resolved today and tomorrow. We have let out we believe that it can be done within the next five years. We've been at it for over eight hundred. So we have time to get this. We have time to strategize and get this right, but we we need to build them up. And the one thing about Irish unity is it's striking in Irish America. It is the one thing that unites everybody. All of the disparate elements of Irish America want to see Irish unity, and we're saying here's how you can play your part in delivery. That's wonderful, man. Well, I thank you for your time today. I've, I've had a lot of fun. I. You know, we talk all the time, but actually getting to hear kind of your story and those kinds of things are uh, actually a really, really uh, beneficial to me. I, I enjoy that stuff. Yeah, it was, a, it was a bit hurry, but you've now moved into the top seven. <laughs> <laughs> Back on top. That's all, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jay. Yeah, yeah. Have a good night, man.